Right on. Nice job, worship team. You good? Yeah. Now we're. It's funny. This there's a minor depression that kicks in after the season's over. Football season. Sorry, it is over. I know you're a Packers fan, Laura. It will be over for you this afternoon. <laughs> that hurt, Laura. That hurt bad. My wife and I, uh, we were just able to, um, we, we've been looking for a house. We've been living in a rental for, uh, gosh, about eight months, and so we were able to buy a house. Um, we're really grateful. It's awesome. They tell you to buy the uh, worst house in the best neighborhood, so we were successful at that. So uh, it's a house that needs a little work. So, so we're in the process of kind of putting a little work into the deal. Here's what I know. Um, I know that we're doing a minor remodel, all right? And I say minor because I know some of you have done major remodels. And let me tell you this. Um, way to go for keeping your marriage sane, all right? Good job. Because I can tell you, I've learned, I've learned about five things, if not more, about me in the process of going through this minor remodel. I mean, literally, we took out a wall, a closet, and did some other stuff with our stairs. But... Not nearly what you guys have all gone through. Here's what I've learned about doing a remodel of some sort about myself. First of all, I've learned this. I'm a very impatient dude, for the record. I, I'm, <laughs> that was my wife. She's talking from the back. She's, she's, equally, she's equally impatient. All right, here we go. I've learned this. Uh, remodeling is way more expensive than they say. All right, so... Kind of give you a number, and it's kind of like, mm, not really, but, but it's close, all right? And I can tell you this, another thing about uh, remodeling that I've learned, contractors, our private, our, our con, you know, subcontractors, absolutely, unequivocally hate this phrase. Hey, while I have you here, I didn't realize they hated it that much, but like I, I hire them to do a thing, and I'm saying, hey, you know what, while I have you here, they're like, look, we don't like that phrase. If you want us to do that thing, hire us to do that thing. And I was like, live and learn. Here's what else I learned. I am, I am wired to be a preacher. Not that. All right? So, because I think to myself, like, it's just a board. Cut it. You know, come on. It's, it's, come on. It's just paint, paint it. You know what I mean? Whatever. Don't work like that, right? They have their own time frames, their own things. So, let me tell you this. Uh, I, I am completely out of my element in a remodel. Completely. I mean, I thought I could figure it out. I was like, look, I got this. No big deal. I've given it two weeks and... Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like the, the whole idea, right? I can tell you this about a remodel is I am out of my element. I don't feel comfortable in the process. So Polly and I successfully moved into one of the three bedrooms in our house, and the other bedroom is floor to ceiling full of the rest of our stuff and a whole bunch of sawdust, which is awesome. So we're slowly getting there. We actually, actually, we got to move upstairs to our actual bedroom last night. And, and so it's coming, right? But I can tell you this is that I'm out of my element in the middle of a remodel. This morning, we begin our 21 days of prayer and fasting. We call it 21 United, where we take 21 days at the beginning of the year, and, and we set aside time to really hear the voice of the Lord as best we can. We set aside time as a church to come together and to corporately hear what it is that God's saying to us as a church, hear what he's saying to us corporately as a nation, hear what he's saying even personally to yourself, what God is saying specifically. I love to take some time aside just to, to, to slow the train down long enough to begin to, to hear. The Bible says, my sheep who know me hear my voice. I think the problem with some of us in hearing the voice of the Lord is we don't slow down long enough to actually do it. 
right? So I, I have earmarked 21 days out of the beginning of every year for us to learn the process of maybe hearing God's voice a little more clearly. And again, maybe you've never felt like you've been able to hear the voice of the Lord. And I'm hoping in this next few weeks you'll be able to. 21 United. Here's a couple of things, three things that I want to see accomplished within this next 21 days. First of all, I want to take a few minutes to reassess our relationship with the Lord, to reassess our relationship with Jesus. Some of you have things inside of you that need to die. Things that you've been giving into, temptations, habits, addictions. Some of you have some things in your life that simply just need to stop being there. They need to die. They need to be put aside. They need to be wrestled to the ground. And I'm hoping within this 21 days that you at least could come to terms with the fact that you need some help or that you could come to terms with the fact that you can actually watch this thing disappear from your life. Some of you need to, to have something in your life die. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's, a, uh, maybe it's some sort of a presumption on who you think God is. And that, that presumption needs to die. Some of you need to have some things in your life come to life or come back to life. You know, those places that you used to have where you, where you would stay up late at night and hunger and thirst for the words of God. You spend some, you turn off the TV and you just read. Have you ever had those moments where a season of your life where you sat down and you just couldn't get enough Bible in you? You just like read and read and read and maybe pray and pray or hear worship music. And you're like, I just can't get enough of that. Maybe that needs to come back to life in your life. And this 21 days can be part of the process of reintroducing, introducing that back into your world. Hmm. I want to reassess our walk with God. I want to get clear direction for this next coming year. Some of you have been praying for, for direction. You've been asking God what the next step in your world is. Is it a, a new job? Is it a, a relationship that you're trying to work yourself through or figure out if it's the right situation or not? Or maybe it's a, a purchase of a house or a home or, or a boat or whatever you got going on. Can I tell you this? But if you're in the middle and you haven't had that decision made yet and you're tr truly wondering what to do, maybe slow down before you make the big decision unless you know for sure. And wait till after 21 United and see what happens. Right? Just for direction. Maybe you're asking God to show you what career path to take or if you should stay in school or whatever. Maybe this 21 United would be an opportunity for you to really address that issue with Jesus. And then finally, I want to make sure that we make room for breakthrough in our life. Some of you have been struggling in an area of your life and you need breakthrough. And you have something in your life that's been wrestling you to the ground. I mean, it's been wrestling. Every turn in the road, you wake up and you hear that thing that accuses you and tells you you'll never have enough. You'll always be that way. You're never going to get past that. You're always filled with shame and doubt and fear. And at some point, you just need breakthrough. And maybe this 21 days would be an opportunity for you to experience breakthrough, maybe for the first time in your life. 21 United. I'm asking you to do three things, to read, pray, and fast. Read. I'm asking you to read. I, I've had these printed up for you, these journals, right? There, there's, there's 21 days worth of Bible reading, and then there, there's instructions on every page and what you're supposed to do, and then there's lines over here to write stuff in. If you have a journal already that you're using, man, keep using it if you want to, but for 21 United, I'm going to ask that, that, that you'll use this to do it in, and that you'll, you'll take time to fill it out and pray through it and walk through. And why am, I, why am I being so specific about having you do this as opposed to just doing everything else? Because I believe that God wants to do something at Puget Sound Christian Center in a united fashion. That when we're all reading the Bible together, when we're all praying together. Uh, my, my hope is this. Some of you whose children are back there in our children's church right now, or even in the junior high and high school, you're fine. they're doing some of the same stuff you're doing. 
Some of them are going to come to you and say, hey, mommy, what'd you read this morning? Right? Or would you read last night or whenever it is that you read? And hopefully it'll invoke the sense of like, oh, wow, I want to read too and have a moment for that to happen. Right? So, so I want you to read through this. And, and if you forget it and you're at work and you're like, I don't know what to do, go online at pscc.net on your lunch break. And then uh, go to, click the teaching tab and go down below and you can see all the readings that are posted on there for you. And if you want to find out more about fasting or about this devotional style that I'm having you do with your Bible reading, these pieces of these little pamphlets are out there to help you with that as well. Reading, praying, and fasting. I'm hoping, praying. What about praying? I want you to pray privately. Like I, I'm going to encourage you to pray corporately, but I want to make sure that you do pray privately. There's something about you interceding and praying that God wants to do specifically in you for the areas of direction and breakthrough and all the things that I just mentioned. Right? Pray privately. Can I tell you this? Um, in your, in your devotional, somewhere in there, find a blank spot. And what I'd love you to do is to write down some, a prayer request list, if you will. Just some things that you're going to be praying about. Now, here's what I'd really like. I would love it if you were to write somewhere in there the name of someone who asked you to pray for them and you still haven't done it. Just write it down and start praying for them, right? My niece Haley asked me to pray for her. And so she's in my list. I'm writing her down. Haley, I'm praying for her, what she asked me to pray for. So write it down that you said you would do it, so just do it, right? Uh, here's what I want you to do. Maybe you, maybe you need prayer for healing in your life, or maybe you need prayer for um, some sort of thing you got going on. Maybe you know someone that doesn't know Jesus. Can I just challenge you for the next 21 days to not tell them, but write their name down in your prayer journal and pray for them for the next 21 days? Pray and fast for that person. Maybe that person knows Jesus, but they never experienced the fullness of Christ with the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you want to see that happen? Man, take 21 days to pray and fast over that. And watch God do something. I cannot wait until the final Friday when we come together in our, our final prayer time. And I say, come on up and give some testimonies. I want y'all to rush the stage and say, I prayed for him and he, got, he surrendered his life to Christ. I prayed for her and she got healed. I prayed for him and he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I just want to hear over and over and over again testimony of things that God did. But I want to challenge you to write it down. Why? Because I want you to keep it before heaven for the next 21 days. And I want you to read it every day and write it every day and see it every day and watch God show up. Why, why am I being so elementary with this whole prayer and fasting thing? You know why? Because I think some of us are still convinced that really, really good prayer comes from really, really professional prayers. Really good, powerful prayer comes from really super spiritual people. And somehow we kind of believe, whether or not say it, that, that if I'm going to come forward and get prayed for, I would rather have, I'd rather have that one, you know, that one person, you know, everyone has that, every church has that person who's the super spiritual person. If I could only get them to lay hands on me and pray for me, then everything would be better. If I could have Mrs. So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so or Pastor So-and-so come and lay hands on me, that would be it. I just want to tell you, that's not the Bible. The Bible you read doesn't say that. It says that the prayers of righteous men and women are powerful and effective. Something tells me that the weak link in that chain might be the fact that you don't think you're one of the righteous ones. Maybe you think that your prayers are just words being hit in the ceiling. In fact, you know what? I even go so far as to say this. Some of you here today feel like this. P picture, picture 
Thanksgiving morning, a house on Thanksgiving morning, fire's going, there's a table set. You can see through the window from the sidewalk, all the families getting ready to sit down at the table, and they're all sitting down. You can tell they're all, they're all bellying up to the table, getting ready to eat some seriously good food. And in the process, you find yourself out on the sidewalk, and you make your way over to the window, and you find yourself wiping the window off, looking inside, and inside the window you see your mom and your dad, your brothers, your grandma, your grandpa. You see all these peace people, and what you don't see is you don't see an empty seat at the table or even you in there. And some of you feel like your walk with God is just like that. You're sitting on the outside looking in. And you just wonder what it's going to take for you to finally be able to just know the secret password. Someone tell me the handshake. Someone remember the username. I mean, you have the idea. Like You just want to get inside and be a part of that. Can I tell you this? When you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you got a seat at the table. A little nameplate with your name on it. Empty chair waiting for you. The problem is, is we don't actually believe that most of the time. Because we think we're waiting for someone super spiritual to come up and do super spiritual things so that we can feel super spiritually blessed. I'm going to show you over the next 21 days that God has a really exciting plan for you to get to spend time with him. That's what prayer is. Prayer is this opportunity for us to spend time with the king of kings, with the Lord of lords, with with the master who created everything. Like we get to spend time, setting time aside just to spend time with him. I I hear some of us here who, who have never really experienced that kind of intimacy. Some of you, maybe it scares you, probably most of us a little bit, but I'm challenging you to say there's something here for us, be able to live and learn and figure out what God has for us. Every Friday of our prayer time, we're going to be having a a moment where we come in here every Friday, so it's the 20th, the 27th, and February 3rd, we're going to have a corporate prayer time. And and again, maybe you've never been to a corporate prayer time. We'll, We'll have some microphones sitting up here or some people holding them or something, and we'll invite people to come and pray. We'll invite you to pray together. And again, if you feel uncomfortable doing that, you, you probably will. If you breathe and blink all by yourself, I'm telling you, that you're going to feel a little uncomfortable at times. I'm not trying to force you into anything. I'm just wanting to encourage you into a discipline that God has for you to learn. Can I tell you, there's nothing about this prayer, reading your Bible, and fasting that you need to be led or feel the unction of God to do. These are all spiritual disciplines. Reading the Bible, praying, and fasting. You don't have to be led. There might even be somebody here this morning that says, Pastor, I don't feel led to fast. Thank you anyway. You don't have to be led. It's just a spiritual discipline. I'm just bringing you to the place of responding to you. So, so what about fasting? What, what is fasting? What's the, what's the magic, super spiritual thing about fasting that somehow invokes the will of God to do something? It's not it. Fasting doesn't make God do something for you. Fasting doesn't twist the arm of God. I remember my, my buddy and I, we were talking about this yesterday. My best friend in college, uh, we were, we were, we, again, college, if you're in college and you're like me, you like to eat. Come on. If you're older than college and you're like me, you like to eat. Let me tell you this, right? So I remember we were in college and, and we were like, you know what, Lance, we should do something spiritual, like really big and spiritual to really please God. And I was like, all right. So he said, let's fast. And I thought, that's a dumb idea, but all right. So, so we decided we were going to fast. So, so, all right, we set a date on the calendar because we weren't going to decide on the fly anywhere because we were always hungry. So, so okay, we're going to fast on whatever Friday, the blah, blah. So we set the time frame. It just so happens that our dorm was going skiing that very day, and we had signed up to go skiing. We didn't do the math on the date. 
right? So we're in the van, and they're, they're packing up lunches, and everybody's got six bags of chips and pop, and they're just going in the van, no less. And they're all passing them around. Hey, would you like a little? Would you like a little? And I'm like, and Mike and I are sitting there, and he goes, no, we're fasting. And I'm like, you had to tell him? So, so then I realized, okay, I better hang out here. Yes, we're fasting. We're fasting. So it was all right on the way up, right? But after you ski for, well, I don't know, a while, it doesn't take a minute before you're super hungry on the way home, right? On the way home, they're like, hey, we're eating. Everyone's passing around pepperoni, breath, everything right. And I'm like, it's a small van, man. I'm thinking, oh, for the love of heaven, right? Everything inside you is like, this was a horrible idea. No, thanks. We're fasting. Glory, glory to me, we're fasting. I mean, it was like, we just kept on saying it as if somehow we were going to talk ourselves back in and not being hungry. It, don't do that, right? Our fasting really gave more glory and attention to ourselves. The Bible says when you fast, don't tell anybody. Just kind of let it be between you and heaven. Problem was, is we kept between us and everyone in the van. Fasting, what is the point of fasting? Here's the real point of fasting. The point of fasting is to pick a fight with your flesh. It's just to pick a fight with your flesh. It's to put your hands around the neck of your flesh and you tell them this, listen, flesh, you're not the boss of me. I know who the boss of me is, and it's the Spirit of God, not you, flesh. What's that flesh? You know what that flesh is, right? It's that part of you that's insatiably always hungry for something, always wants to have its way. Me, mine, me, mine. That's the part of your flesh. And I want to tell you, why did, why did, why did Jesus tell us to fast? Because he wants us to put to death the deeds of the flesh well, you don't put the death of the deeds of the flesh unless you know what the deeds of the flesh are. How do you know what they are? Starve it for a minute and you'll, you'll find out fast. Starve your flesh for a minute and you'll see it go like, whoa, whoa, hang on a second. I really wanted that. I, I, I really wanted to watch that. I really wanted to be about that. I really wanted to text that, watch that, see that, click that, do whatever, eat that. All about that, right? When you say to your flesh, no, not going to do it, your flesh will tell you, right, fast, who's the boss? Right? That's what I want to do. I want us to be able to pick a fight with our flesh and say, listen, you don't tell me who the boss is. The Holy Spirit's going to tell me who the boss is. So what, is that, what kind of a fast am I calling you to? Food? Some of you, that's going to be food. If someone here decides to fast completely and just eat nothing but just drink water, I want you to talk to your doctor first, right? Please, I don't, I don't know enough about your life and your medications and all your journeys to be able to tell you, like, that's just a great idea. Talk to a doctor first or call them or whatever and find out. Like, if this is the best season for you to do that. And if that's not, then, then fast one meal a day or two meals a day. That's what I'm doing. I'm fasting two meals a day. And maybe you'll fast something else, your phone or the TV or whatever you're going to do. And again, uh, is there reason or precedence behind that being spiritual? No. Really, what it is, is it's a discipline of you saying no to your flesh. That's the point, right? So if you go online and look up fasting, you probably won't see Facebook as an option, right? But let me tell you this. If Facebook is your go-to and you have to always know what's going on Facebook, I would fast it. Amen. Some of you are like, you went there, right? So you might, you, know, you got to find out where your tweets are all the time. Be done. What does fasting do? Fasting helps you recognize what you're truly thirsty and hungering for, right? Fasting, I think, is the quickest way to get to the bottom of you. Fasting is one of the fastest ways to get to the bottom of you. Again, you don't have to be led to fast. You just simply should. It's a spiritual discipline. We're in the middle of, we, last week we started actually, we're in week two of a five-week series entitled All Access. I called it All Access because I believe that God has given us an opportunity to have full access to him. Like he wants us to have full access to the throne of grace. We don't have to twist his arm. We don't have to do cartwheels. We don't have to offer him some big sacrifice in order that he will finally listen to us. The Bible says we have all access. I came up with a definition for all access. Here's what it is. 
Something which allows or permits full rather than limited access, specifically designated pass, a badge, etc., which allows the bearer unrestricted access to all areas of a venue. I love that. Complete, unfettered access. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 puts it this way. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. We will find his grace to help us when we are in need. I love that. Let us come boldly. Literally means without reservation or thinking. Some of us have this crazy overthought process of, well, before I come before you, God, I have to, I have to get all these places in my life cleaned up first and get everything taken care of, and then I'll come before you. It's almost as if we're saying things like this, God, we really want to spend time with you, but before I come to you, I need to shower off in order that you'll receive me. And he's saying, come just like you are. I don't mind you wearing dirty clothes. I don't mind who you are. I'll help you get cleaned up. Just come to me. All you are weary and carry heavy burdens. So I want us to spend time as a church to come before the Lord in this posture that says, Jesus, have your way. This week, we're going to, in in the second week of our series, All Access, I want to talk to you about your personal prayer life. Last week, we talked about our corporate prayer life and how often the Bible mentions corporate prayer and what corporate prayer really means when we all come together. This week, I'm going to talk a little bit about your personal prayer time. Your personal prayer time. Here's the, quick, the question I have for you today. Does prayer really matter? Does prayer really make a difference? Does it really matter? In other words, do prayers really make any difference when you actually say them out loud? But when, 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 when somebody prays, does God really listen? Does he really hear what you're saying? Does it make a difference at all? The Bible we read actually says a few things. It says the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. It says the prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective, James 5. Jesus himself says, you may ask anything in my name and I will do it, John 14, 14. He assures us that our, his Father in heaven will give us good gifts to anyone who asks. And in Exodus 32, the Bible says the prayer of Moses even changed the mind of God when he came to judgment over the nation of Israel. I have a couple of observations about prayer that I'm going to share with you real quick. If faith can move mountains and my prayers can't move air, then perhaps I really don't have any faith. If I pray in Jesus' name and nothing happens, then maybe I'm totally out of tune with God's will. If the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective and mine aren't, then maybe I'm not righteous. Hmm. I think some of us feel that way about our prayers. We don't feel like we're of the righteous or we're the ones who have the ability to reach the heart of God when we pray. When you pray, the Bible says, it, when you pray, I will listen. Your prayers, uh, the, the funny irony about this is you'll see over and over again, I'm gonna read a passage of scripture that talks about the importance of our prayers. But what is prayer? Prayer is a dialogue with God. It's literally getting our hearts in line with his heart, hearing his heartbeat, and we hear, he hears our heartbeat, and we begin to dialogue and get together and pray. His heart's desire is that we would have our lives. That's why the Bible says to pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean to stick your head in the ground and just always be speaking in tongues and never speaking in English and never ceasing. He literally says being a posture of prayer all the time. He wants us to learn that a prayer, a righteous life, can be lived with a continual prayer life always going on. Prayer. Does your prayer really make a difference? Can you pray in such a way that you affect the will of God? Is it possible? Is it possible to pray and God changes mind on some area of your life, some area of the world? 
See, we kind of tend to think like, well, no, God's got a will. My job is just to get in line with it and I'll never really know. Can I tell you this, that you can actually pray and God will listen. The Bible says, if you pray, I will listen. God's not just sitting there hoping that somehow you'll just guess the right words. Let me read this passage of scripture to you. This is Moses. Moses is up on Mount Sinai. And as he's up on Mount Sinai, he's actually beginning to talk with God. God's given him the Ten Commandments and they're dialoguing. And then God hears, remember God can do everything, right? So while he's up on Mount Sinai with Moses, he looks down at the bottom of Mount Sinai and he sees the children of Israel down there messing up. They they had gotten so frustrated and, and fearful that God who had led them out of Egypt, that God, Moses who had led them out of Egypt, that he had been on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, right? While he was up there, the children of Israel were afraid. And so they just thought, well, gosh, maybe, maybe we should just make up our own God because certainly God's not talking to us. Moses is gone. So maybe God's disappeared. We should just make up our own. So they all took their earrings off, their nose rings, their finger rings, whatever that finger ring. They, they put it all in a big old pot, boiled it up, and they, made a, they fashioned a golden calf. And they figured, you know what? If we can't see God, at least we can now. We're going to worship that, a golden calf. Aren't you glad we don't make stuff up when we don't hear God like they do? Doesn't that happen to us? We don't hear God because he didn't answer us in our way because we think God should answer us as fast as the internet moves. We just think, we should think God should just be 4G right now. I ask God should answer, right? Can I tell you this about God? He doesn't respond our speed. In fact, the Bible we read actually says the opposite. It said those that wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. They will fly high on wings like eagles. I think we have a waiting problem. I think that's our problem is we have a severe waiting problem. How do I know that? Because we run and get super tired. We walk and we faint and we can't get off the ground to save our life. We want it now. God doesn't live in the right now like that. God says, listen, come to me all you are weary and carry heavy burdens and I'll give you rest. He didn't say come to me and I'll just make everything perfect right now. Just come. And what does that mean? He might work some things out. He might get to the bottom of you by making you wait. He might get to things in your life because it's gonna take some time to work through because he chose it that way. Hmm. Exodus, listen to this. Moses talking with God. Up on Mount Sinai, he says this in verse 9, 30, chapter 32, verse 9. It says, Then the Lord said, I see now how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone in my anger so that my anger can blaze against them and destroy them all. Then I'll make you, Moses, into a great nation instead of them. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, his God, not to do it. Oh Lord, he exclaimed, Why are you so angry with your own people whom you brought from the land of Egypt with such great power, mighty acts? Literally, I love this because Moses is saying, God, listen, you like these people. I know you do. You brought them from slavery. You brought them through the desert. You brought them all this. And God, come on, I know you like these guys. I love the fact that Moses goes, don't forget, Jesus, you love them. Don't forget, God, you love them. He intercedes. And the Bible said God relented, God pulled back. In fact, he goes on to say, and King David says this in Psalm 106. He says, God said that he would destroy them had Moses not stood in the gap before him and kept him from destroying them. Let me tell you this about Moses' prayer. Moses' prayer not only changed the heart of Moses by getting his heart in line with God, but I believe Moses' prayer changed the heart of God. God relented. God, God held back his judgment. Uh, how do I know that? Because there's another place in the Bible. In fact, I'm going to show you just one today. A place is where there wasn't someone to stand in the gap. And as a result of it, the nation was destroyed. 
Listen to this. In Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 9, it actually says this. Ezekiel, was a time, there's a time right now in Israel's history when they were just doing really crummy things. In fact, listen to what they were doing. It says there was extortion, robbery, oppression of the poor and the needy, mistreating of the foreigners, and, and literally not, not even honoring the day of Sabbath. These are the things that were going on in, in the nation of Israel at this particular time. In Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30 says this. I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. And I searched for someone who would stand in the gap in the wall someone, so, that I would have not, so that I would not have to destroy the land. But I found no one. So now I will pour out my fury on them, consuming them in my fiery anger. I will heap fire on them for the, uh, uh, fire on them full penalty, for a full penalty for all their sins, says the sovereign Lord. And you might say like, well, God, well, why would you just be so mean? Why, why are you just so mean, God? Why don't you just not do that? The, the Bible you read explains that the soul that sins is the one who will die. The Bible says that we sin, and as a result of our sin, we're a mess. God's saying, listen, I just want to raise someone up who will, who will pray and intercede on behalf of someone. Could you imagine? Could, could you just even imagine if God brought you here today to pray on behalf of our what if God brought you here today? What if God brought 850 people that call Puget Sound Christians that are home and said for 21 days, will you just pray over the nation? I'm asking for someone just to pray over our nation. You know what can happen? Anything. God can do anything. Through you? Mm-hmm. Because you're righteous people. Your righteousness, doesn't, it's not because of what you've done, it's what he's done. It's not how, how many hoops you jump through or how many spiritual badges you've got on your chest. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with your posture before the Lord. Hmm. Obviously, God didn't wipe out his people. He didn't want to. Or he did wipe his people out there. He, he did, his intention was not to cast on judgment. And at that particular time, there was judgment that was imposed. Over and over again in the Bible, we see what the word are called if-then statements. The Bible says in Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. Then God goes on to say this, now my eyes are open and my ears are attentive to the prayers offered in this place. God's so heart's desire is that we at some point would come to the place where we would yield to him and hear his heart and cry out to him on behalf of our, on behalf of our families, on behalf of our, our city, on behalf of our region, on behalf of our nation, on behalf of the world. I remember when I was early on in my walk with Jesus, I remember thinking, thinking, man, this world is just going to hell. This world is crazy. People are a mess. There's gross sin. And pity. I remember just thinking to myself, Jesus, come back. Come back. Today would be a good day. The longer I walk with Jesus, every day I walk with Jesus, the more my prayer goes a little like this. God, could you just give us one more day? Just give us one more day because I have a brother that doesn't know you. I have a sister that still needs to find you. I have neighbors that have never met you. God, can you give us one more day? Because I just want to have an opportunity to share my life with them. Yeah. See, see, when we begin to get the heart of God, then your prayer changes. Not from God, come back and take me out of here to God, give us one more day that we could, that someone could avoid hell and find a relationship with you. 
Hell is a long time. Hell is like forever. When are we going to have a fire within us to say, Jesus, enough? That's, that's what I think this 21 days is going to hopefully wake up within the heart of each of us is this passionate desire to say, Jesus, is not about me. So will your prayers do anything for all eternity? Do your prayers make a difference into eternity? Get this. I read this in Revelation chapter 8. I'll say this in closing. I'm jumping ahead, guys. Forgive me. Revelation chapter 8, verse 1 says this. This is chapter 8. This is what's called the, the seven seals that were written on this scroll. And when the seventh seal is broken, the Bible says like the end times are really underway. It's really going to happen. Earthquakes happen. Craziness goes on. The end time happens, right? But get this. As I read this particular passage of Scripture, what dawned on me was your part in the end times. You're my part in the end times. They're going to show up. Trust me. Listen to this. It says, Revelation chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. It says, when the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence throughout heaven for about a half an hour. This is coming into the future, guys. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence throughout heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels stand before God, and they were given seven trumpets. Then another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar and a great quantity of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people to be offered on the golden altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of the saints ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. Then the angel filled the incense burner with fire from the altar, threw it down upon the earth, Thunder crashed, lightning flashed, there was a terrible earthquake. Do you see it? The prayer that you pray will be mixed with incense in heaven, offered on the altar, and then somehow, some way, all that stuff comes together and eventually. Eventually that invokes this end time or encourages this end time or is a part of this end time. Nevertheless, the point being is this, your prayers, because you are one of the saints of God, shows up at the end of this whole thing. What prayers? All of them. Oh God, help me prayers? Yep, those two. Oh God, I love you prayers? Mm -hmm. Prayer, when our hearts are like, Line up with his and he says, listen, this is for real. If you don't think your prayer has something to do with the end time process, I'm telling you, it does. And you're saying, Jesus, what kind of, God, maybe you're saying, God, give us another day. Maybe you're crying out saying, God, soften the heart of my mom. Soften the heart of my husband. Prepare my wife. Whatever your cry is, I'm telling you, cry it out. And will it make a difference for all eternity? Oh, you know it will. Every single prayer that's prayed is effective and powerful. So today in closing, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out your phones, a journal, something you can write on and keep notes with. Just something you can keep with you. If it's your phone, then go to the notes page and just, you just write this down. I want, there's three things I want you to write down. And I want you to have it somewhere. And why I say your phone is just because a lot of you have smartphones and you can put it on the notes page. Here's what I want you to do. Title it uh, 21 United, just for fun. 21 United. Or if you have a real life paper journal, paper journal, pull that out. Number one, what are you going to fast 
What are you choosing to fast? I want you to write it down. Some of you make this decision in your head and then when push comes to shove, you just roll over on it. I want you to write it down. But before we do, let's pray. Jesus, will you give us wisdom? We want to do what pleases you. I pray that you would reveal to each of us those places in our life where our flesh has become the master and you want us to yield to you. Show us what we're supposed to fast. In Jesus' name, amen. What are you going to fast? Write that down. Number two, when are you going to read your Bible? When are you going to do your 21 United devotional? You do it in the morning? Maybe when your kids go to bed and nap time? What are you going to do it when you're at lunch, work time? What does it matter? Maybe do it at night before you go to sleep? Pick a time. Write it down. Say, this is when I'm going to do my devotional time. Or I'm going to read through that 21 United. And number three, who's one person that you want to be praying for? Just one person. I mentioned it earlier. Maybe it would be somebody's salvation, somebody's healing. Just write it down. It's one person you want to pray for over this next 21 days. Jesus, thank you for today. God, thank you for giving us a desire to launch into a season of prayer and fasting. Will you help us to hear your voice? Will you help us, God? In Jesus' name, amen. My, my, uh, my son, who's now 25, came to our house the other day and, uh, for Christmas, and while he was there, my kids all throughout their life would hear me almost every night of their life that I was with them say this phrase when it was time to go to bed. I would say this, and I almost say this all the time to my son. I, I, and I said it to him the other night when he was at our house just for fun because it didn't really matter because he's a grown man and he could do what he wants to do. But I said to him, when I was on my way to bed, I said, hey, buddy, this is what I used to say to him all the time. Hey, buddy, let's go to bed. Hey, buddy, let's go to bed, right? You remember me saying that? And, and, and my son goes, Dad? I said, yeah. He goes, I know I'm a grown man, and I know you don't mean it, but just that phrase makes me want to do anything but go to bed. Like he just this woke up within him, right? It's the thing, he's just like, Dad, now I don't want to go to bed at all. And I was like, then stay up. He's like, no, you don't get it. I got to go to bed. But I'm like, just the fact that somebody said something to his flesh. Listen, over this next 21 days, your flesh is going to fight you. People are going to fight you. You're going to fight with your husband, your wife, your cousin, your aunt, your boss. You might be the boss. It doesn't matter. But you're going to feel something short. And, and can I tell you this? Give yourself a little breathing room, all right? In other words, when you go to make a decision to respond or yell or scream or whatever, one, two, three, breathe and then make a decision, all right? Just don't react because your flesh is in a fight with you. Amen? God bless you. Why don't you stand up? Bless you in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, don't forget to get your journals, grab those, and then if you want to find out more about fasting or about reading devotions, then go ahead and grab that as well. God bless you. Give someone a hug before you leave.